All right, um, we'll get started. It's 10.30, so welcome. Good morning. Um, thanks for coming to this session. How many of you attended the keynote? Quick wave of hands. Great. Well, I'm glad you were able to, uh, you know, fight the crowds and come out here, so um, let's begin. Uh, before I start, I just wanted to uh, mention a few related sessions. So this talk is about natural language innovation, um, research and productization uh, that we've been thinking about at Tableau, and there's a bunch of related sessions here at the conference. Um, one of them is a showcase activity where we're looking at um, ways in which we could converse with the chatbot um, with your data and various ask data related sessions. So if you're interested, please take a note of this as well. All right, so a bit of background about myself. I've been at Tableau for seven years. In fact, my seventh uh, work anniversary was this Monday. So I'm really uh, excited to be here. This is my seventh TC. I've been working at Tableau Research, uh, thinking about natural language and computer graphics problems and how they interplay with each other. Um, in addition to all of this, I, for, for a brief moment of time, I was the engineering manager on the Ask Data team, focusing on productizing the early releases of the Ask Data feature. And just a fun fact, um, I love collecting dolls, and my last um, audit of it uh, with a Tableau Viz was I had 423 dolls. So yeah, um, that's something I also geek out on. So before I get started on uh, the various stories and projects that we've been working on at Tableau, I wanted to talk a little bit about language and semantics. So we as humans are naturally curious, and we seek meaning in the information around us, uh, whether it's from the glitzy signs on the Vegas Strip to the keynote at TC, or quietly decompressing over a cup of coffee um, at a cafe. But language and meaning is rather abstract, and it's really hard to understand how um, we could either quantify that or try to come up with a way to systematically implement any of that uh, when we're thinking about a computer system or algorithms to do that. And semantics is a tool uh, which helps to formalize the notion of meaning, um, and it also helps think about models and ways in which computer systems can understand language, um, particularly human input. So all this, you know, ranging from semantics and language comes under this broad area um, that is called natural language or natural language processing, NLP for short, where the field studies how computers and humans can interact with one another using language as a medium. So quick raise of hands, how many of you use either Google Search or Siri or Alexa? So you're all um, in you know, some form or another using natural language as an interface medium in your task. So it's become really prevalent um, and it's uh, very exciting to think about how we could harness um, NLP algorithms in the space of visual analytics. So 
This talk is really going to talk about how we're thinking of NLP and semantics in particular in Tableau to help people see and understand data. The topics that I will cover um, falls under these five buckets, which I call vignettes, uh, to kind of give you a sense of the breadth of where natural language can play a role. Because a lot of us, when we're thinking about NLP, um, the most common things we think about are Siri or Alexa, um, or most recently, our natural language feature, Ask Data, but there's really a lot more to it. So I wanted to kind of give you a sampling of that uh, so you could walk away from this talk um, kind of with a better understanding of the different places and aspects in the visual analytics workflow where NLP can play a role. So throughout the talk, you will probably see this little badge on the upper right, and that will indicate which of these projects are already in product. Um, in lieu of that badge, there might be um, a QR code with a link to a paper, because in addition to productization, um, doing academic outreach with our um, academic community outside, sharing ideas, uh, through papers and talks is also equally important for us. So this is the first vignette. So one way of thinking of how semantics can be useful in visual analytics is um, to provide meaningful data encodings and transformations. So say that I'm trying to visualize my produce um, and the cost of my various items in my produce. Um, if I were to just import that information into Tableau, it will assign this automatic default color palette where broccoli here is a blue. But if we have a better understanding of the semantics of the data, we can provide more effective encodings where broccoli is a happy green. Um, and this was some work that I did with um, a colleague of mine, Maureen Stone, um, who's also at Tableau Research, and we published this in a conference in 2015. Um, and essentially what we did in order to um, understand the semantics of the categorical metadata was using a natural language corpus like Google Ngrams to understand the most salient color associations that people tend to associate with these common categorical items. Another example um, is uh, where NLP can play a role is making charts like this uh, from being just rather abstract to something more concrete. So this is a Sagan plot showing the brain and body mass of various animals. And as you're staring at this chart, your eyes are probably glossing over the points and the labels associated with them. And discerning the pattern becomes more challenging uh, because sometimes the labels are not uh, present right next to the dots. But adding a little bit of semantics and associating each animal with an icon, all of a sudden the chart becomes more useful and you could understand and follow um, the pattern that the chart is trying to depict. Um, so this was also some research that we did and published in 2014 to really get to um, you know, a better understanding of where semantics could play a role in visual analytics. In addition to smart data encoding, semantics can also help with sensible data transformations. 
So take this column of date strings on the left. By looking at the patterns of the strings, um, we wrote a date parser to parse them into date fields that you see on the right, where the right form of pattern is deduced automatically by the system, showing month followed by date followed by year. Um, so it's a simple feature, but yet it is profound because as a user, when you're trying to visualize your data with date strings, the last thing you want to do is manually uh, try to figure out what format your data is in. So kind of finding these sensible defaults um, that could reduce the friction of your analytical workflow wherever possible is one of the strengths um, and the motivations for exploring these algorithms. Similarly, semantics has been used to properly geocode data. Say I have some sales data, and I want to visualize it in a map. Without the context of the data in the column, Paris would be incorrectly geocoded to be in France, as shown uh, by this circle here. But using context of the data in the column, Tableau now derives the semantics and geocodes Paris to be in Texas correctly. And it was uh, interesting when I was working on this uh, project with my colleagues, I never knew that Paris, there was a Paris in Texas and there are all sorts of um, interesting trivia around this. Is there anybody from Paris, Texas? I once had somebody in, at my talk um, and he in fact was from Paris, Texas, so it was rather cool. So other forms of data transformation that we're exploring include smarter sorting. So if you've taken a survey, you've probably seen qualitative questions where the responses range from strongly disagree to strongly agree. And these are called Likert scales. Um, and if the system understands the semantics of this information, it could sensibly sort the Likert scales in their logical order and assign appropriate color ramps based on positive um, or negative sentiment. Traditional join processing with tables mostly relies on string equality comparisons. But given the growing uh, demand of ad hoc analysis, we've seen a lot of scenarios where that desi desired join relationship is not necessarily an equi-join type. So for example, a user might want to join one table uh, with country names with another table with country codes. Um, and we want to figure out that these columns are indeed um, you know, they share the same common information so we could do these more semantically driven joins. Similarly, uh, data transformations often include splitting columns into two, um, cleaning up uh, columns or, you know, shaping the data in a form that's conducive for your analysis. Um, so if a, a natural language um, algorithm knows that this is um, a you know, a column of names, not just strings, when um, a user clicks on that column and says split them, uh, the system could sensibly split the column into first name and last name and even have meaningful headers to these columns. Um, and this example is derived from census data, so being able to add additional context to these algorithms so that it understands uh, the domain of the data can help with these sorts of data transformations. 
So as we get better at adding semantics to data, what we've been thinking about is how we could support data discovery and sense making. In specific, how do we support a conversational flow during visual analytics? And this comes to the second story of my talk. The first feature in Tableau we, where we started exploring ways in which users can ask a question about their data and provide meaningful results was the map search tool. Here, the user could type in Paris in the context of a map, and Texas is ranked higher than the more prominent place, Paris, France. And this feature was easy to implement because we had done a lot of the groundwork with smarter geocoding in a previous version of Tableau. So map search got us really thinking about natural language and how we could understand user intent so that we could support questions as seen as in this example. So I live in the Bay Area in California, and one of the items of um, constant concern in addition to wildfires are earthquakes. So if I'm looking at a map of earthquakes, um, I can start by asking questions like, find large earthquakes near California, and the system could respond appropriately as shown here. I could then ask a follow-up, such as how about near Texas, without explicitly specifying large earthquakes near Texas, and the system could infer that intent based on the previous context. So in, in one way, this is supporting an analytical conversation flow, almost like a human-to-human -human conversation. Imagine you're talking to someone about going to a restaurant, and you say you're vegetarian, and it would be really awkward if your follow-up question says, I am vegetarian, and I would like to uh, dine at this particular restaurant. So as humans, we remember the context of the conversation, and we're able to apply that sensibly uh, in these follow-up questions. So this was something that we explored in a research prototype uh, called EVISA, um, which uh, was published in 2016, which really led to um, or in, and inspired our current Ask Data feature. But even with EVISA as a prototyping tool, we've been in, interested in exploring analytical conversation that provides deeper insights to questions, as uh, seen here. So I could ask a question, show me the trends for next month, and the system could provide a sensible forecasting model to that question. So as I mentioned, um, a lot of the prototyping in EVISA led to the development of Ask Data, which is now made available on server and online starting in 2019.1. And the premise of Ask Data was to really support uh, users where they could ask questions through natural language utterances. And it's built on Tableau's analytical platform, so it takes advantage of VizQL, um, calculations under the hood, and a lot of the semantics of the data fields in order to support the question and answering. And it also supports multimodal behavior through interactivity and refinement, and which is really, really important. Uh, Tableau historically has been a tool that supports interaction, um, take the drag and drop interface. So being able to combine different modalities, very similar to a human conversation where I'm using my gestures, I'm using 
my voice, I might be pointing to stuff. So being able to take some of those principles of conversation and being able to apply it in a feature like Ask Data. And we're constantly looking at improving the feature by collecting data, by talking and listening to customers like you. Um, so uh, so I wanted, what I wanted to do here was uh, kind of give you a summary of some of the functions that Ask Data provides and uh, give, you, give a demo of some of the core functionality that Ask Data does uh, so that you could um, either, you know, learn more in some of the follow-up sessions at the conference as well. Uh, so some of the functions that Ask Data supports are things like groups and aggregation. So I could ask sum of price by country. I could indicate explicitly if I want to see it in a, a specific visualization like a map. Um, I could sort my data in ascending or descending order. I could filter um, numerical filters or categorical filters, as well as limit functions like top and bottom. So at this point, I'm going to pause my presentation and pivot to a short demo to give you a sense of uh, some of the ways in which we're trying to understand user intent in Ask Data. So let me transition really quickly. Uh, just for, while I'm transitioning, how many of you have used Ask Data? Okay, good. So I think this demo would be relevant um, so that you could get an um, understanding of what the feature is about, and hopefully um, you could try this out and provide us some feedback as well. All right. So this is Ask Data, which is available online. And Ask Data works off of published data sources. This is a WINES data set. Uh, as I mentioned before, I'm from California. So in addition to earthquakes and wildfires, WINES is another topic of interest. So uh, this is a WINES data source. And you can see here that there's a data pane on the left, and if you hover over them, it gives an overview of the fields and the top values uh, for each of these. So you could kind of get a sense of the context to ask questions about. So let's start with the question. Um, show me price by location. So what it does is it takes the input utterance and it interprets that into what we call this canonical natural language form. And I can click on it so it knows that location has the intent that I probably want to see this as a map. Hopefully Wi-Fi is behaving. Yes, it is. Um, so if you notice, I just said, show me price by location. I didn't really specify a geo field in my intent. And this is pretty common, right? When we're talking to people, we just take things for granted and we might omit information because, you know, we just expect people to understand um, what we're saying and respond and do the right thing. So we are looking at ways in which we could understand these underspecified utterances and figure out what the intent is and do the right thing. So in this case, country is inferred as a geofield in order to generate a map. And you can see that the United States has um, the most prominent um, set of wines based on highest price. 
So now what I could do is I can apply an utterance based on the context, and I can say, you know what, there's, there's points as well, so replace price with points. And it will replace points with price. Visually, it doesn't make much of a difference, but I could just continue and say, filter to at least 100. So it knows, even though I did not specify the actual field to filter on, because points is in the context, and this is a numerical filter, it'll infer points and do the right thing and apply that filter and modify the visualization. So I can have fun with this and say, okay, I'm done looking at a map. Maybe I want to see a tree map. So as a user, I could explicitly specify my intent. Um, in this case, it's a visualization. And um, the system will swap out the map with a tree map. And the underlying logic for figuring out the rules for generating maps is the show me feature in Tableau. So we're not doing anything different. We're just leveraging the underlying uh, rules that show me has um, in order to figure out sensible visualizations. So I could do things like, actually, I want to see maybe correlation. And uh, in this case, it says, okay, a scatter plot might be a more sensible uh, way of visualizing a correlation. Um, and I see, you know, because I have points at least 100, I could remove the filter um, by directly manipulating the widgets. So this is the multimodal type interaction that I was talking about, where I could either specify follow-up or I can directly manipulate the widgets themselves, and the visualization gets updated. Now I kind of want to start over. I don't want the previous context, so I can click on clear. And I could just say, show me the list of taster names, because there's a field here um, which has a list of uh, tasters who taste these wines. And even though I specified list, um, it infers a text table and generates um, a table showing the list of taster names. I could also do things like this, where I could say, show me the expensive varieties. So by variety, it knows, even though I did not specify a measure, price is a currency um, attribute, so it'll infer price. And I select this. And I just mentioned expensive, and it's kind of vague. What does expensive mean? It means different things for different people. But the system provides a smart default uh, based on the standard deviation and mean of the data set and infers a reasonable range based on what you typed. And if I want to change it, I can always go and tweak the slider um, in order to change that, and the system would remember that so that uh, when I you know, log into this data source, again, um, the system will remember my settings. So this is just kind of a sampling of the Ask Data feature, just giving you a sense of how we handle under specific specification, how we try to infer user intent. Um, and it's just a very fertile uh, space where we're constantly iterating and improving the feature. 
So now I'm going to pivot back to my presentation. Okay, so I walked you through what is currently uh, provided in AskData. Um, and taking this further, we're also interested in supporting user intent um, in analytical conversation using the visualization as a context, not just the linguistic context. And let me walk you through an example as to what I mean by that. Say I'm looking at Titanic data set, and I can ask a question, show me all the children aboard who survived, and the system will return this bar chart. I then ask a follow-up question, break this down by sex and age. So in this case, the context of this analytical conversation depends on the context of the previous visualization. So the system tries to preserve the structure of the chart wherever it makes sense and add sex to um, color so that the bar chart is broken down uh, by sex and age um, as shown here. But there are also cases where questions like what was the correlation between age, fair, and survival may not be um, something that the system could support with the current visualization. So understanding ways in which um, the, the context has to be reset and a new visualization such as this highlight table um, can, uh, can be rendered to support user intent is something that we're investigating and is still an active research project as indicated um, in this paper here uh, that was published earlier this year. So what, what is next beyond ask data? What are some other things that we're looking at? So going to this data source of household sale information, which has you know, the date of the sale, the price, uh, the number of bedrooms, and so forth. Questions like this, show me house prices. That is easily supported in Ask Data right now. Basically, prices is fuzzy matched to price, and the system could infer the right thing and select the right attribute. Show me expensive house prices is also something that we support in Ask Data, where expensive uh, refers to price um, based on currency, and the system can again do the right thing. But things can get more nuanced. Show me house cost. People have different ways of expressing these queries. Right now in Ask Data, we have um, a place for people to add synonyms, and we're also looking at ways of automatically adding synonyms and enriching the data source. So being able to support questions like this where cost is matched to price. But then it gets really tricky. Show me large houses. Um, here, you'd have to do several degrees of interpretation because large refers to size, and then there's area in the data set. Um, so what we've been looking at is dictionary definitions and thesauruses to say if uh, certain concepts are related to one another where we can infer the right thing. But then, you know, human language is very tricky. Show me square foot of houses. People often use abbreviations. And then, you know, these corpuses don't often return things. But 
thankfully, there's a lot of human-generated data out there, um, such as Google Documents, um, where all the you know human-generated responses are stored in these corpuses. So thankfully, we could do things where we take a word like square footage and the attributes and try to find out how semantically similar these words are based on these online corpuses. In addition to supporting query expressibility, um, we are also looking at ways in which we could support analytical conversation with the visualization themselves. So being able to support things like, what's the spike in that blue line where there's a dashboard? So what we have in Evisa is a way to take these words such as spike and blue line, figure out which visualization in the dashboard gets triggered by the query, compute some color distance between the term blue and uh, some RGB value that represents blue, and being able to match it to the mark in that visualization, and generate a, um, a spike or a response to it. So that is, that is something we've explored in a prototype, and we would really like to uh, figure out ways in which we could make that available um, at some point in our products as well. So I did mention that external knowledge is uh, a useful tool for these natural language algorithms. So we're constantly looking at ways in which we could leverage uh, corpuses like Wolfram Alpha that has a, a pretty uh, robust uh, number of units and descriptions about these units. Uh, Wikipedia, for example, for temporal events to do temporal reasoning and so forth. So these corpuses have been effective in supporting questions like this, you know, highest and lowest temperatures in Fahrenheit over fall, where Fahrenheit is a unit um, where it, in case the data is in centigrade, it could implicitly convert to Fahrenheit and then figure out the seasonal range for fall based on the locale of where you are or the data and generate a chart accordingly. Other aspects are kind of getting into the, not just kind of the what questions, but the why questions. So what is the drop in July 2016 if I'm looking at this pound versus dollar chart and being able to leverage external corpuses and providing an annotation that gives some reasoning behind the, uh, the pattern that the user is seeing in the data. Um, and this, this is a hard research problem because a lot of the data is domain specific. So finding ways in which users could just explicitly associate their corpuses of information to support these more deeper analytical questions as shown here. So while Evisa and Ask Data focus on helping users answer questions um, through machine-generated visualization responses, we're also looking at ways to improve our search experience to help users answer questions uh, with pre-authored content. So this is the current search that we have uh, supported, and this is a screenshot from public. And I'm a Golden State Warriors fan, so if I type in Golden State Warrior wins over the years, currently the results that are returned are just based on keywords. 
So any workbook that contains the terms golden state warriors will probably show up. But what we're looking at is kind of taking search to the next step and adding more semantics to it. So being able to not only provide workbooks that contain any of these keywords, but also finding specific worksheets in the workbooks that might show a trend of how the Golden State Warrior season was over the years, uh, in addition uh, to these pre-authored content. So what we're looking at is understanding query intent and understanding the semantic structure of the workbooks uh, by using BizQL and the workbook metadata properties to augment the search experience. And this also helps with search engine optimization where if I were to go to Google, could, could I get responses based on my query in addition to the documents that Google typically returns? So while we've focused on meaningful visualizations using semantics and natural language algorithms, computer-generated natural language responses can also be just as useful. So as I mentioned before, I have a graphics background, so I often pay attention to the graphics and vision community out there, and automatic captions has been an active research area, particularly in the com computer vision community, uh, especially to uh, search for images uh, based on people's questions that they've posed. And often these questions uh, pertain to higher order objects that are described in these images as opposed to kind of lower level pixel information. So in some sense, the problem is analogous to what we have at Tableau, where we want to support these higher order analytical questions. But it is a hard problem, as you could see here, where the system misinterprets the object that the baby is holding. But we believe that this problem of natural language generation can be addressed in different forms, and we could look at you know, terse feedback, as responses to a user, um, all the way to verbose summaries. And natural language generation is actually uh, been something that we have supported in the form of captions in Tableau, uh, which was introduced back in the day in 2008, where it would look at the underlying VizQL and the attributes in play in the visualization, and a caption is generated. So this is one step towards natural language generation, but we can do better. And that this is definitely an active uh, research area right now. So one place where captions can be useful, as I mentioned before, show me the orange spike, where, I, uh, where the system not only highlights the particular point that is useful, that, but it can also provide a pithy response to that question, uh, get indicating the, um, the extrema value for that spike and perhaps some other insights in addition to that. More verbose text summaries have become prevalent, and they're used to often generate, generate insights reports or help with accessibility, um, but one of the things with natural language generation is really understanding where the, you know, such summaries or captions can be useful 
and what is the degree of verbosity and information that needs to be provided because natural language summaries for accessibility is a very different use case from providing an insights report, for example. So as you could see here, these research areas are much more fuzzy and more active than some of the ones that I indicated earlier in the talk. But it's to give you a sense of the breadth of the problems that we're trying to focus. And uh, there's plenty to do. I mean, I've been here for seven years. I'm sure there's seven more years at least worth of research to do in this space. So lastly, we all have a mobile device in our pocket. Uh, many of you probably have a Google Home sitting on your nightstand where you ask for the weather or uh, the news of the day. So how do we actually integrate these devices into the visual analytics experience? So metrics is one way, providing alerts, um, being able to get the summary of the day, or doing some sort of touchscreen interaction in addition to talking to your device. We're also looking at ways in which we can ask questions of your data through devices like the Echo Show, which not only has an audio um, modality, but also a touchscreen. And let me see if I can play a video of a very early prototype um, that we've been exploring here. Can, can you turn on the audio? Let me try this again. Oops. Is there something that I need to? I tried this earlier. This is um, almost my last slide, so I should be done. Show me the wines by okay. location. All right, let me try this one more time. Hi there. Ask a question about the wines data and I'll try to help. Show me the wines by location. The most expensive wineries are located in the United States. Show me the most expensive varieties. The most expensive variety is the Cabernet Sauvignon. Show me the cheapest ones. The cheapest variety is the Malbec Syrah. Thanks, Tableau Chatbot. Goodbye and enjoy TC. <laughs> so it's very basic. It's not very smart. But this is how you can help. We have a TC showcase activity where we're really trying to understand what people expect with audio, um, audio with visual interaction using a chatbot. So we have various types of lab studies using Slack, using an Echo device. So um, if you have the time, we would love to get your input um, and help us with um, our innovation in this space. 
So um, I'm just going to leave you with the link um, to Tableau Research. I've only represented a very small sampling of all the great work that we've been doing here. Um, and this is a very active space. Um, are we going to get these devices to read our mind? Probably not, but I think there's plenty of work to do. And um, making that experience delightful is a major aspect of that. So with that, um, I'm happy to take any questions. And uh, yeah, thanks very much for attending.